Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Paula Castro. And I'm Nick Anthony. And today we're talking to Domodora Cordua about the healing in relationships. Hey, Nick. Hey, Britt. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I've been moving through a bunch of shit, but I'm feeling free and open and enlivened. Mm, I like that. I'm also moving through some shit and uh, <laughs> I'm also feeling, uh, I don't know, enlivened is the word I want to, that fits how I'm feeling. I'm, but You don't have to use my word. <laughs> I don't have to, but I'm like, that's, that's tasty. I'm moving through it and I'm in a good place right now. Mm. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? Hopeful. Hmm. I like that. Me too. Yeah. I feel that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also wearing one of my favorite jumpers. Oh, I th- I'm just noticing. Wow. So See, this sorry. is what happens when you live together. Well, I'm so sorry. I look at your face and your eyes when you talk to me. <laughs> you kind of like, I was sitting down when you came in. <laughs> and the excuses. The excuses are no, valid. It's, it's fine. I wasn't actually saying that. So you would be like, look at me. I was no. more saying it because it's, it's satin and it's like very like, it looks like I'm from like the seventies and should have like really gold eyeshadow and hoops and like um roller skating or I, something. I can, Not even roller skating. I feel like more of a madame when I wear it. I can hear the music right now. What would it be? I don't know. Let's dance. The mm. last dance. Is it too much? No, no. I think it would be that other song that's like. I don't know what song that was. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> but it's. <laughs> you are notorious for humming tunes and this. I'm like, I don't. Mm-mm. I'm going to find it and put it in the show notes. It's very high pitch and it just feels like. So they're broad. on like really lovely drugs probably or i don't know that is so no. broad yeah <laughs> it's high pitch and it's the 70s Done. yeah i'm gonna find it i know the song <laughs> i just don't know how to hum it i don't know the tune i don't know who sings it i could not capture any of that <laughs> so we're talking about relationships today relationships i'm really really excited we haven't had like a relationship expert or relationship coach and we've had therapists, so they're, they're that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is really like focusing in. This is going to have something for everybody. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, everyone's searching for connection. And within relationship, it, mm-hmm. things come up. <laughs> yeah. Things will come up. Absolutely. I mean, of course they will. They mm-hmm. always do. Mm-hmm. And so let's see if it's going to be one of those ones where we get like coached, you know how like the one, the, some of the episodes, it's like the people hold space and we're just like, bleh. Bleh. <laughs> I mean, we don't think we ever actually go, bleh. but there's a feeling of like, Oh, this person's totally holding space for us to move for an experience right now, yeah. which I love. I mean, it's not necessary, but <laughs> well, in terms of the show itself, I think we, we are the most relatable people in the, in the space to be able to share our thoughts and how we move through relationship. And hopefully yeah. others are able to you know grab onto that and get something mm-hmm. out of it it would tell you a lot about somebody and you know how they show up in conflict so like i think it's important to be aware of that within a relationship i think it tells you a lot about somebody how they show up in joy as well that's true, that's true. <laughs> but for me it leans yeah. more to work i hear you like, I well in the sense you. of how you want to like engage yeah with someone. yeah yeah that Abs- makes sense absolutely okay let's do it let's do it welcome to kitchen table i'm Brittany. i'm nick and today we are talking to Damodar Cardua. Damodar helps individuals and couples connect more deeply to themselves, to each other, and to something greater. He is an avid student of and specializes in relationship, life, communication, emotional intelligence, yes, please, and personal empowerment coaching. Zamadar synthesizes contemporary cutting-edge relationship, self-growth, and psychology ideas and tools with his knowledge of yoga, Eastern spirituality, and ancient wisdoms, truths, and practices. Welcome, Zamadar. So great to see you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That's such an honor. And I just want to also thank you for, you know, we just did a grounding meditation and before we started live. And I really appreciate intentional space. Thank you so much for creating that here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is something that we don't include in the podcast. And thank you for bringing that up because intentional space for me is really the only way that I like to. <laughs> 
Yes. I like to have space. And I think it's birthed from my need for safety. Sure. Right? Like if I really go down to the root of it, it's birthed from a need of a little bit of control, a little bit of safety, right? But has been able to be morphed into something that also creates a really like special and secret container. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? But I also feel like a lot of the things that we do, I mean, are like at the core meant to make us feel safe. Yes. A lot, all of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a good majority. Check, check. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a relationship coach, that's one of the hallmarks of an important relationship is, or a secure relationship or thriving relationship is safety. In one sense, it's like we're hardwired as human beings to desire feeling safe. And many of us haven't felt safe and still don't feel safe. So yeah, I, I think it's cool that like that's a traditional thing of intention and maybe like deeper connection and possibility, but it also hits us at like the in the nervous system. So important. And for me, everything also is coming from a space of the nervous system. Yeah. Which let's just get into it. When we think about relationships, right? And let's start there. I do a lot of talk about that the idea that romantic relationships oftentimes are put on the pedestal and there's so many different types of relationships that we can, you know, especially us as polyamorous people. But I think that this wisdom can also, you know, move into monogamy as well as platonic relationships can still have an element of romance and friendships are also can have, you know, an element of romance and intimacy and that those things don't have to just be relegated to a sexual romantic partnership or marriage. Right. And so I think like starting out with that for me, would be helpful just to talk about that and see your thoughts on that, Damador. And and then like getting into like, let's dive in now to relationships. Well, like, what do we all mean when we talk about relationship and we say that? Great place to start. Yeah, that's a great place to start. And I think, you know, working with clients and reckoning with romance in my own life, there is definitely this cultural, at least in the West, influenced by so many factors, especially Hollywood, that there's this idea that like we have, we, our goal is to find this one partner that's going to solve everything. And if you think about like a Hollywood movie as that as a reference point, you know, you, you see a couple like walk off into the sunset as though that's <laughs> it. Like they walk off, everything is gold. They don't have to think about attachment style, their trauma, their hurt, all the stuff that's going to come up and challenge them. And I think that puts a lot of pressure, first of all, on people to live up to a fantasy. And then second of all, to your point, I really do feel as though it also kind of like pigeonholes us and lets us think that we everything has to be in this one person. That's bullshit. In fact, if you put all your eggs in that basket, so to speak, you are going to limit your relationship potential with that one person. So I really feel strongly about what you're putting down here. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. Can you actually talk a little bit more about how that can be limiting? Because I mean, I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we're <laughs> we're literally living that truth through polyamory. Yes. And with that, you know, polyamory has that, I think the foundation that like no one person is meant to fulfill all of our needs, right? Now that the thing is, is that that doesn't need to just be part of ethical non-monogamy or uh-huh. non-monogamy, right? That can absolutely be part of monogamous relationships as well. Uh, yeah it's so oftentimes cut off. Like I just did a post last night about, you know, you can feel turned on, titillated, attracted to someone. And it doesn't mean that you ever, ever have to have a sexual relationship with them. Nope. It doesn't mean that. And I think that's why so often cishet couples, right? Cisgendered, heterosexual couples fall into that like, oh, like men and women can't be friends kind of bullshit. And I was there for a while because I had a very emotionally abusive relationship in my early 20s. It was like my formative, like adult, I'll say adult in quotes, relationship. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. It wasn't just about me not being attracted to anyone else, but it was about like, if anyone was attracted to me, I would be mm-hmm. like in trouble, so to speak, yeah. and, and psychologically fucked, yeah. right? Because he was a narcissist, it, he would go in, right? And so that stuck with me for a really long time. And on the interesting part of that, the flip side of that was that most, there was truth in that for me because literally until like now, my relationships with men were sexual. Mm. Even my friendships, 
all my friends when I was in high school, I wound up having sex with eventually. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because that is all I knew. Right. And so this creates this whole, like coming back, like, so let's like take it back to what you said, Damodar, and this idea that like, if we pigeonhole everything into our romantic partner, it can actually, and these are my words, but like it can stifle it or it can keep it from growing into the potential that I might be able to. So I just gave you a lot. <laughs> this is what happens when we work with therapists and, and relationship coaches, right? We bring it out. What do you got to say to that? <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And thank you for sharing some of your journey. And I just want to like, you know, send some compassion to you for having been, you know, gone through such an maybe abusive relationship. And, you know, compassion to those people in your life who perpetuated that, you know, I hope that they can heal and not pass that forward. But I do agree. I think, you know, if your idea of relationship might be like a monogamous, you know, having one partner or polyamory or whatever it might be, I think this premise kind of like moves across all these ways of relationship. And what happens is that if you put everything in a partner, first of all, that person will never live up to all that. And I think we have these high expectations, right? And sometimes this is where it's, it's so interesting because we have these high expectations of what romance could be. I mean, I'm guilty of this, to be honest. We all are. Oh, yeah. We all are. Yes, yeah. Us too. <laughs> no? And a lot of us actually, because of early wounding in our own lives or our family of origin, I'll speak for myself, I think I put high ideas on romance because it felt like it would solve everything. If I only find that person... All this relational crap around me, my, my family of origin, my parents, they're divorced, they're this, they're that, everything will be okay. And no one can give us all that, first off. And when we expect all that from one person, maybe kind of like you were pointing to a little bit, although you were in a specifically maybe abusive situation, so it's a little different, it creates a lot of stress, first off. It creates a lot of stress in the relationship. And then, as I mentioned and how I coach, relationships, most relationships, not just the romantic ones, are about this dance of separation and togetherness. And so the separation, meaning your independence, your ability to do your own thing, to have other relationships in your life and explore the beauty of them and bring it back to someone, creates intimacy. Intimacy, it's necessary to have separation to create intimacy. People in relationship, again, in this idea we're talking about, often can't see that. Sometimes they feel like intimacy means we have to always be together all the time, you know? And that's not true. It's not even true biologically, okay? So if we go back to when we're young and attachment science, which is something that's studied, for a child to feel truly integrated, they need to feel, we all have not felt this, they need to feel both securely connected to their loved one, often their primary caregiver or their mother, and at the same time as they grow, able to be free, able to be their own person. And then that creates this beautiful dance, the weave and the weft of you come back to each other and you have something to share in that difference. And you might be able to speak to this sexually. You know, if you read writers like Esther Perel, if we have separation like that, it actually recharges our ability to get intimate if it's just, you know, intimacy in an emotional sense or in a sexual, physical sense. So I think that applies to everyone. And maybe, I just thought about this right now, because I'm not a, a specialist on polyamory, but maybe people in monogamous relationships can gain some lessons from maybe some of that dance that y'all might take in very consciously in their relationships. Absolutely. Like when both of you were talking, it reminded me of Emily King's song where she's like, uh, love is always better when you have time to get back to who you are mm. when you are apart. <laughs> like yes. it's just, it makes it, yeah, it's such a buttery, buttery song. Emily, Emily King is the oh, shit. She's so fly. Go listen to uh, Emily King, everybody. They, yeah. They're, they're, they're amazing. But like, it's just like, you need that space. Like even in a monogamous situation, the idea that someone's going to fulfill all of these things that you're looking for or that you've built up in your mind and have been conditioned to think you need to have in a partner and it'll all be okay. You know, walk up to the sunset and it'll be fantastic. Like, it's just, it's not reasonable. Like you have like your family to lean on, you have your friends to lean on and you have those uh, moments when you were younger, when like your friend would start date dating someone new and then all of a sudden they would vanish and then they come and they read. Wait, did you have that? Oh, yeah. 
friends of friends. I've just, I witnessed it. I've like, I've seen this and like the people who disappear and this like isolate and insulate. And all of a sudden like, it's like, so you, you're going to come back out and hang out with us again? Like, nah, I'm just going to sit at home with my partner and like, and that's it. But like this, that, that pressure you're applying to your relationship, I get wanting to be in that space and wanting to share space with someone like fantastic, but letting your other relationships fall to the curbside and like, like kind of shrivel up a little bit. Yeah. It just, it doesn't benefit, you know, it doesn't takes away rather than adding anything. Nick, something's coming up for me. Can I share it real quick as a share, man? please. I do think, you know, moving, you know, I, I do men's work go to men's circles and stuff like that. And, and I think for men specifically, not, you know, making a large generalization, there's lots of nuance here, but oftentimes that happens for men because they're not maybe culturally programmed to be as social and reliant on community and other people and swim in that you know water, so to speak. Sometimes men, when they get coupled up, they get, and they like, just using my hands again, they like, they get so connected and they isolate their friends. And when you said that, I just went back to like my high school years. Yeah. <laughs> Some dude is like, you know, gets the girl and he's like, what happened to Joe? Like, what, he's not going to play, ba- you know, to play baseball anymore. Like, what's going on? You know, he's so gone. <laughs> Joe's doing other things. <laughs> And one thing about the men's circle work is that it actually says, wait, all of your emotional nurturance does not and should not come from your partner. And say if it's a heterosexual relationship and it's with a female, there's maybe this idea that, well, it all has to come from a female. And that is not true. And in fact, if you we can learn as men to be together and connect deeply, we can bring some of that emotional awareness back to our partner and not dump it all on them. Does that make sense? Because I think men do that because they can't get it from other men and then they get so connected. So yeah, that just brought up a lot of cool stuff. So thanks for saying that, reflecting that. It feels like we're just trying to replicate like our relationships with our mothers, essentially. Man. Like, cause, like your mom was like the, all right, mom does the soft thing. Mom kisses the boo-boos. Like, literally, that's all we're searching for. And then socially, we're conditioned to be like, be a man, be tough. Don't show emotions. Don't you cry about that thing. And it's just like, no. Any of my friends, I'm all, the first thing I ask them is like, how is your heart today? Period. Doesn't matter who you are. I'm just like, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Like, I, it's a, that's the first thing I want to hear from you and like nothing else. Like, give me your emotions. I want to hear this shit. I mean, I have more female friends than I have male, but I've been, like, I've been in a space where I'm trying to cultivate that with my male interactions and I want that to exist. And I don't want to have to hide that because, you know, if I'm going to cry, I want to cry. You know, I'm going to let the tears out. <laughs> yeah. And then you, by you modeling that, you know, it's important, man. I would say we had to stand for that. It's not even just like, you know, it's important because you're modeling a new way of being for men and they can say, oh, it's okay to be vulnerable. Well, there was a, a guy here in Tucson who he works with this great organization that deals with young boys and pairs them up with men as mentors so that they can start this emotional awareness, this vulnerability early on. And when we meet, this guy and myself, he always leads with the, what you were just talking to me, he always leads with like vulnerability. He always leads with really sharing and it's so refreshing. So yeah, got to stand for that. And what happens, which I'm hearing is that we could become so dualistic. It's like the mommy stuff, I need care, I need nurturance or I'm the strong guy. And that creates all this fragility and it creates a lack of integration. And to go back to what we were just talking about, having a myriad of relationships, as Brittany was talking about, where we can share intimately. Like, I love, Brittany, that you brought up, even if we're not in a polyamorous relationship, we can share intimately with other people. We can be intimate. We can have a man crush or, you know, a girl crush or a person crush. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Come on. Like, if we're in this life, don't we want to, like... I'm just like riffing off what you're putting down and making you excited. I just get a little excited. Don't we want to like say, like I was just in Italy, I was telling y'all, and, and it was just beautiful to experience so much art and culture and sensory, just beauty. And I think in the relational field, you know, don't we all deserve that? You know, don't we all want to have powerful relationships that can challenge us, support us, and can be varied and, you know, just amazing ways if it's with family or friends or loved ones, or to me, that's exciting. And as a yoga person, this is where I got into relationship work is that, you know, yoga sometimes comes off like, okay, do your thing, you know, go off to your cave, do your meditation, and everything's fine. You know, like you're good. But actually, once we get out into the world, we start to see, whoa, our relationships are like, at least this has been my realization, 
they're like the cornerstones to my own self-awareness. They're going to show me my shit. And if I'm sitting alone in meditation, I might reckon with some of my shit, but it's actually going to be a glass ceiling. When I get into a relationship and really get into it, I'm shown a lot more about myself and I'm being called forward. So that's my uh, soapbox right there. I just got real. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Like seriously, like the greatest healing and growing we can possibly do for me is within relationship to each other. Like period. I'm always learning something new. We need to always be constantly open to that, that experience because it's like we're forever changing. Agreed. There's like seven points that I need to come back to that you made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at that. This is juicy. This is great. I'm like, there's so much. Yeah. Okay. So something that you said gave me like a learning in real time moment. This is my original thought, but this is definitely people are like, yeah, of course. But this idea, Nick, like when you were talking about, you know, wanting to have those relationships with those kind of relationships with men. And then Damajar, when you were talking about how men don't have, like aren't used to being in community in that way, you know, Dr. Timmerie Schmidt, who's been on this show, she said like a lot of times men, what they're taught, you know, how to use their bodies, right? Is either, what does she say? She says fucking or fighting. Like those are the two ways that they've learned to use, that men have learned to use their bodies, right? Either through sexual intimacy with another person or some form of, of fighting, right? Yeah. And so I was thinking about a lot of men in my life and how they tend, heterosexual men, and how they tend to have female friends, mm -hmm. right? More female friends and not a lot of male friends you know, because of that reason, because there are a lot of sensitive men out there. There are, I mean, I'm talking to two of them right now. I've <laughs> dated a lot of them. Like yeah. that's the kind of men that like come into my life mm -hmm. when I date men. And so, you know, there's this idea and there's this like feeling that I have around like more of you need to get together. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is really, I'm sure what your men's circles are about. Like mm -hmm. more of you need to get together and not just resource that from women. Yeah. Because we are tired. <laughs> I feel that. We are tired. Like yeah. the emotional labor and the, you know, mm. that goes with being with a man. Yeah. And so all of that that you were talking about, Tamadar, in the sense that like it, a lot of that stuff is outsourced from women. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I can feel it in my body. There's like <laughs> some grief around it. There's hope around it. And then there's also like some anger around it in the sure. sense of like, we are tired yeah. and you guys need to do your work together. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought up also like that idea from Dr. Timory Schmidt, you mentioned that men are like kind of programmed to either fight or fuck, I guess we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing that happens is that like that propensity perpetuates men who maybe are like hurtful to women and using them sexually or sexual like predators or, or not predators is kind of intense, but like kind of misusing the sexual act because they don't have maybe that emotional connection and that's a way to feel it for them, right? So it also all goes there. And I'm not saying that that's not great, but I'm saying in maybe an imbalanced way because that's how they function. And, uh, and so you go back and forth between those two extremes. Yeah. So thank you for voicing. I just wanted to pinpoint that. And then also, yeah, voicing your frustration. I think all the men out there should listen and, and hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that felt new for me. That felt new. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there's so much of that happening, you know, and I get it because you feel what my experience of it is, right? My interpretation of it, because I can't tell anyone how they feel. Mm -hmm. But what it seems like is that there's more safety there, mm -hmm. right? There's more safety with women because they allow that sensitivity and that they welcome it, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes that's in romantic relationships. And sometimes, like I said, like a lot of the men in my life have a lot of female friends, all of them. I'm just like, yeah. you all have female friends. You know who you are, like- and it's just so maybe like one male friend, mm -hmm. right? And so it's just really fascinating to me. It feels like an outsourcing, right? Like a, let me get that met because I can't get it from myself mm -hmm. and I can't get it from another male, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm not saying it's all like sucking us dry, like, you know, like vampire, but is. it can when it's imbalanced, energy. right? It's uh, energy. And so, yeah, that's why the culture of man, it has to change because if you think of the man, I mean, I'm not going to speak for them all, but probably when they were growing up, they didn't get that from their father or father figure, right? They got 
hardness. So they might feel as though the, the story is, I can't get it for men. It's not available for men. It's scary for men. It's not safe, as you said. So let me, you know, find women if it's romantically or, or just in a friendship to get it from. But if that father is or father figure is able to be more present with that young man and more emotionally available, that's where it shifts, you know? And uh, these are energies, right? Like masculine and feminine are, these are energies. And so all of us, from my point of view, regardless of our like biological sex, it's our birthright to like balance both and, and to research both and to experience both in our own way. So I think because of the patriarchy and because of how the world has been for so many years, this is important work. It's real important because even just shifting the dynamic that you mentioned of feeling sucked dry by men, like also like if you zoom out and look at that in relation to patriarchy and stuff like that, that also makes it even seem that much more precarious and wrong and unhealthy. So, and finally, in shifting that, imagine how then if we're speaking about biological females and biological men, think about how that also empowers women to not have to just be in that space. It gives them more space to explore other parts of themselves. So it's like a win-win for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Leaning more into, I heard this off the podcast, uh, Man Enough. but being, Great podcast. Yeah, oh my, wonderful podcast. But uh, it's just lean into being a more comprehensive human. Hard stop. Like accept and receive all of it. Be with both sides of yourself. Be in the masculine, be in the feminine. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Just like, just let it all coexist. I mean, because there's strength within all of that. Like, every last ounce of that, there's strength within vulnerability. There's strength within, like, you know, shedding some tears and like releasing that, you know, that stress hormone in your tears. You know, it's just, ah, it would just behoove everyone mm -hmm. to step forward into that and <clears throat> do that work and to not just be so pigeonheld into like this idea of like what their the so called thought process is around like freedom and like existing. Like we have no concept based off of where we are in this country today of what freedom is. Like we want to just shit on everyone else's freedom and be like, you know what, your freedom, no, it has to look like this. That's not freedom. <laughs> like I want you to exist. I want you to feel safe. I want you to thrive. Done. <laughs> like, oh, and this monk, oh, what, what, I forget what his name is. But it's like your life should be connected with living a pleasant and like thoughtful life. And it should be whatever you're doing should be contributing to those having the same around you. Mm -hmm. Like no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how much money you're making, just be a kind person and to be thoughtful and like be like, all right, let me be compassionate and not be an asshole in this moment. Like that's just like, <laughs> don't be an asshole, guys. That's just hashtag yeah, <laughs> 2022 for forever. Title of this. <laughs> Today's episode, Don't Be an don't Asshole. Be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you know, and relationships are, when I talk about the dance of separateness and connection, they're also an opportunity for us to, one of my teachers would phrases it this way, is to kind of mend the core human split, which is the need to be an individual and to belong. And generally, we see people betraying their ability to be themselves to belong. If it's to a nation, if it's to a church, if it's to like a religious organization, if it's to the culture they live in, you know, the place and time and et cetera, or to the relationship. So that's another thing that what I was hearing from you is, Nick, is like, this is a way for us to integrate and to be fully who we are. And that's really important. And being fully who we are is balancing those two things. And I think many people out there, if you're listening to this podcast and you have are in difficult relationship dynamics, part of it might be that I'm afraid to leave this because I want connection. So I'm gonna betray myself, I'm gonna hide myself, I'm gonna deal with this bullshit just because I don't wanna be alone. And so when I work with clients, that's something that I wanna empower my clients to say, like, not just like I'm an individual, fuck everyone else, these assholes out there. But I want a relationship where I can have both. I can be me. This person is seeing all of me. Even when they don't like it, even when it's like, you know, a little edgy, like there's space to be me. And then there's also space, so important to be we, okay? So important to have both. And not most people, especially in like monogamous relationship type paradigms, they have one where it's just we and they forget each their individuality they're just like on two you know, parallel tracks two ships kind of like this so that kind of leads into the same dynamic we were talking about earlier of the dance between separation and togetherness and it's real important in our relationships yeah we were meant to be in community with each other 
like and lean on each other in those spaces and you know heal together heal together and share that responsibility like it takes a village that saying is it takes a village because like it took a whole village to have you know to care all the kids and to watch out for everybody and if someone's acting up you have that one parent back what are you doing your parent wouldn't like that Mm -hmm, don't do that (laughs) like and that's your parent right there that that your pseudo parent in that moment yeah it's very clear to me what i want to see in my life in the world all the things that I'm doing or the things that I haven't done up until this point, I've like nurtured that, that concept, that idea. I want more of that. I want more unlearning. I want more just like learning in general and just more expansion. It's a situation where it takes time and integration. And I've like said this repeatedly on the podcast many times. It's just a necessity of like being a human. Like these things take time and like be emotive and like share these feelings and, and also connect with how things are popping up in your body. Like this shit takes time. And mm-hmm. sometimes these are, these are muscles people have never used. We had E-Rock on an episode mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago, and he was talking about his experience as a young person and never being hugged or like told that they were, were loved at all. But they took it upon themselves to develop that and like to step into that and own that within themselves. And it just the expansion that that created. And that even in that talk, I was just like, wow, like, for them to be where they are based off of that, I was blown away. And it just yeah, floors me to like know people are moving through the world without being told I love you or being like touched like thoughtfully and being like, ah, oh, or I hear you and I see you in this moment. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad to imagine that. It's hard for that person to then be able to give that to themselves as much as you say. Like it's also important to be able to gift that to our own self and it becomes that dynamic between like seeing it in others and others giving it to us and us being able to give it to ourselves. And if we can't give it to ourselves, it's going to be hard to give it to someone else. If we can't be tender with ourselves, right? If we can't be loving to ourselves, it's going to be difficult to give that to someone else, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's where the self-betrayal comes in. I think that, you know, self-betrayal can look like so many different things, especially in relationship to someone else on a very foundational level, not feeling safe or like we have the space to be ourselves, to be that individual, right? In that fullest spectrum and not even knowing it a lot of times because of all the conditioning and the programming that we have. So, you know, a lot of people, like they don't realize it. They don't realize, you know, people that I work with, it's so subconscious a lot of times. And then there's like the deferring to the other, right? The the deferring to the partner, the deferring to want to be liked and loved and not rejected, not abandoned, right? Really moving from that base, oftentimes trauma, right? Talking about attachment theory, attachment trauma, right? A lot of that comes up in relationships, which I'm sure you see, right? I think boundaries come in, right? Boundaries are always this idea of like, what does it look like to let someone know, like, this is my edge. And beyond that, I'm going to move into Mm (laughs) self-betrayal and I'm not doing that anymore Mm -hmm. because I think we've all done that to an extent. I know that I have. And again, like it's oftentimes not a conscious thing. Sometimes it is, especially when we're working on it, when we're like, okay, this person is pushing back on me. This is so hard right now, but what do I want to do? Like there was this meme I saw on Instagram that said it was something like, do I want to deal with the feelings that I have from, that comes from like neglecting my boundaries and betraying myself? Or do I want to deal with the guilt that I feel from holding a boundary? With someone that has a hard time. For someone, they could easily answer both of those sound very hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Both, both, well, and that's what do. it's saying. It's yeah, saying yeah. like, which hard thing do sure. I want to push my edge on today? It's hard because for a lot of people, it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. When I hear that word term guilt, it just makes me like in my body, I feel I'm really like, oh, it's sort of triggering me because wow, that's what we feel. Guilt. That's intense. And all of us, like we were saying with the attachment styles and attachment theories that we developed some of this propensity at a very young age to survive. We might've felt like, okay, I got to not show this. Like in my life, I got, I felt like with part of my life, I couldn't show my sensitivity because it wasn't accepted. So I was like, I guess I pretend it's not there. I guess I push it away. Sometimes we feel I only can survive by betraying myself. As we get older, we're no longer children. I mean, I don't know. I'm still quite childlike, but you know, generally speaking, you know, and hopefully we now can say, all right, I did that. I see that. I see that I've done that. And it got me somewhere. Like it got me a payback. It got me survival when I was young. Maybe it even got me a career. It got me a job. It got me a skill. But now I see that it's happening and I'm ready to take that step to say no more. 
right? And that's hard for people because it can challenge their sense of self, ironically. To be their real true self, it challenges the sense of self that they've built their little sandcastle or house of cards up with. And I deal with this with clients a lot because it's like they want to move up forward. They want to integrate. They want to empower themselves. But they're so like attached to this way of hurting themselves and the payoff it gives. Kind of mess. I mean, it's kind of wild. It is. Oof, it is. Feel that. Like, uh, feel that in my body. Like, but to have grace and to connect with like what pulled you forward and what kept you like, you know, safe in those moments or, you know, able to get that job or still being able to, it's like, it's yes. And like, Oh yeah, I did those things. And I want to honor who that person was. Mm -hmm. Like there's i I've been listening to Viola Davis's book and wow. Like what this person's gone through is insane, but it's like you went through some shit and she's just done a lot of work of trying to, like, I think on, um, what movie was she doing with Will Smith? It was a suicide squad with Will Smith. And, behind the scenes will was like so who are you and she was like uh what are you talking about and he's like who are you and he's like oh i don't know how to answer that question like what do you mean could you explain it's like well i am the 15 year old boy who was like young and needed to have humor to keep himself safe and viola just like wells up in tears and then she connects with the fact that she was this young girl you know living in the world and the circumstances that she was in and that young girl had to be strong and had to be mean in order to kind of push through and, you know, like this, the level of uh, violence and trauma that she went through, like that young girl had a place and kept her alive in those moments. And that the, the part of her felt shame with how she was early on based off of where she is now. And like she had to do that work in, in terms of connecting with herself. But it's just like we have to validate those sides of ourselves that existed, you know, previously because they got us to this point. We wouldn't be where, where we are without them. Yeah. And it's not like we, I really appreciate what you're saying. It's not like we're meant to throw them away or pathologize them or wrong them, but to say, yeah, like, I love what you're saying. Kind of like celebrate them, but then say, okay, how can I integrate you into now? 3.0 me. Like that phone is saying upgrade, upgrade. And I keep on saying later, 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 right? Now it's like, okay, now I'm being called forward to highlight that, but not in maybe the way that I used to and integrate it into my wholeness. And that's where, you know, and it's cool in relationship because relationships, ideally conflict in them, difference when we rub up against each other, they are showing us some of those patterns. And that's why I love relationship work because oftentimes conflict for many people in relationship is just like a pointing the finger and complaining about the other person. Say, oh, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing this. Always them. When we really take the time to gain more resource around conflict and be in it, we can start to see, oh, wait, that's that pattern. That's that child coming back up, right? And you're showing me it. Another teacher of mine would say, I've hired you. Like, chronically, I hired you out to show me this stuff, not, oh, you, you, you. No, but you're showing me some stuff and I am being called to look at it. I could just double down and keep defensive about it. Or I could say, okay, this is showing me something and let me uh, go deeper into myself. And yeah, inner child work with partnerships and with relationships, super important. The patterns you repeat within our dating lives. And this is, this is perfect. Cause this is exactly, I was like, I want to make sure we talk about conflict. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for receiving that message. So a couple of things, um, I do a lot of inner child work on myself, uh, with myself and then with clients as well. And, you know, a lot of times we project, not only do we really complain about the other, right? We do that. And we also project what actually is our own onto the other as well. Like, I mean, and sometimes that's through complaining and sometimes it's like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this. So it's like, who's doing it, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like who's really doing it? And so, because sometimes I think that putting it on someone else, the person that we feel that most secure with is safer than putting it on ourselves, than turning that light in. Like a lot of times with clients, I'm like, what do you, you know, how do you feel? What do you need? And when the need comes up, and especially if I'm working with a couple, um, or just someone that's, you know, having struggling in the relationship, it's like, okay, that need that you need from them met, have you met it for yourself? Mm. Can you meet it for yourself? And maybe adult self, you're like, well, I don't need that from myself, but does your child, does your six-year-old need it? Mm. Does your 11-year-old need it? Mm -hmm. Does your three-year-old need it? Mm -hmm. Because there's someone inside that most likely needs it, mm -hmm. right? And it's child work is my 
one of my most favorite things to do because you get results fast with child work. Mm -hmm. And it's like for people that are willing to go there and really recognize the value. And it's just like, oh, all I have to do is it's so simple. We want complicated like answers. And it's so simple. Go in, check on your children, check on your inner world, right? And so when we bring this back to conflict, how do we move through conflict with someone else, you know, with our partner, let's say there, how do we move through that? You know, one of the things you had mentioned wanting to potentially talk about is creating vulnerability and connection through conflict. And so how do we do that? What does that look like? Yeah. First, I want to just reflect back. I love this quote. I'm going to share this. Check in on your children, everyone. Everyone check in on your children. Yeah. Yeah. But my kids, I don't have kids. We talk. Have you checked the children? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I mean inside of you. He'll end the children. Okay. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Check in on those inner children. Do they need a lunch? Are they, are they hungry? Come on. Exactly. Do they need a hug? Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, and then we'll, I'll go in to answer your question is that the reason that inner child work is so good then individually to come back is then then we can start to see clearly in a conflict, am I actually repeating this pattern to get something from my partner that I need to give to myself? That happens a lot. It's happened to me. It happens with lots of us. And so in terms of conflict, to now to segue, that's information. Now, when you're triggered, you could say, oh, well, I remember I've done some of this work. It's bringing up the story in me. And I'm putting that, I'm projecting that forward because I want it to be resolved, but I know that I need to give it to myself. And the first step then with conflict is that both parties, and this is where something like yoga, meditation, somatic experiencing, somatic work is really important, is that we need a little more space in our nervous systems to just be with our experience and also have a growth mentality, meaning hopefully both people have some space that they're like saying, yeah, what am I here to learn, right? That could be your mantra. What is this showing me right now? So two things, space in our nervous system, space in our mind to ground. And then what is this showing me? And when we can have just that, I give clients lots of tools to dial that in. We can start to see, oh, this conflict is showing me about a story of mine. It's showing me some inner child stuff. It's showing me an expectation. It's showing me my value system that, you know what, is different than yours. Go figure. We're different people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some people, they'll fight around a value difference, their whole relationship, right? Their whole relationship. When in the end, you're being called to dance that dance of separation and togetherness and say, oh, you know what? We're different people. You value that. My wife and I, we're different people. She likes the desert. She likes to be in a slow place. I miss the city. I like being around people. I like the whole energy. We're different people. And for us not to hold that space to see that, it might bring us back to the same fight. And it might, because we're so fragile around it, it leads to us hiding from a certain part of that person instead of saying, oh, you're this way. And you know what? I love you. I love you for that. You're different than me. You do that differently. I'm always the neurotic one who wants to be on time and you're late. And you know what? I love that. (laughs) And that's where conflict usually comes when we cannot deal with difference and it shakes us to the core and we have to defend and or, right, it brings up stories, which we talked about a moment ago. And if we can see it as a positive thing, we can learn more about ourselves, share it with the other person. Hey, love, I'm projecting my mom, pattern with my mom on you again. And you know what? It's still there. And she now knows that. She knows this deep thing about me. And she can learn to not rationalize bad behavior of mine because of it, <laughs> because that's not the part, but to really say, oh, okay, my husband is not just being fucking annoying right now or trying to be, you know, trigger me. He is coming from the space and that allows me to know him deeper. And then, oh, wow, you're different than me. You're this way. And this conflict's bringing that up. And I want to be able to hold space for that. And as we go back to what I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, that space of allowing for difference, creating a culture relationship that can hold space for it in safety and security is sexy. I think it's like, wow, like, yeah, that's what you do. And you're not me. And that turns me on. That's cool in the right light, in the positive light. So I think it's real important. And then in that dance, then if we're doing conflict, how can we move through all the stuff I just talked about 
and come back to us so that in the end, we're holding space for these differences. But the bottom line is that within that, we come back to us. That's really hard for people to do. And in coming back to us, all the relationship theorists talk about this. If you can come back to each other more often, not like 70% of the time, even if you're gonna, even if you're gonna have that same fight for your whole life, your whole relationship, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Let's be honest. Yeah. 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 Come back to each other and be like, you know what? It's okay. Like I embrace you and your difference. And even if you're annoying me right now, that is so powerful for the health and longevity of a relationship, for the intimacy of a relationship. It can't be overemphasized. So, you know, repair in conflict, so, so powerful to come back to one another. As I outline this, this is just this ongoing dance. I'm witnessing you as an individual. I'm reckoning my own shit as an individual here. I'm being responsible for it. And that creates so much coolness. And at the same time, I'm coming back to us. It just made me think about us and us navigating. There were moments early on where you would say, uh, yeah, we're so different. And it felt weaponized to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh, yeah. and it, it would it would drive me up. Or we're incompatible yes. that way. I'm, and, I and then I'd be like, yeah, we are different. I was like, I have noticed that the first time we went on a date, I was like, what is the purpose of us sharing that? I was, I was like, yes, <laughs> we are different. <laughs> like, and just feeling nothing. like the energy and like in relation to that and it's how we've stepped into that. I feel like you've softened around that. Mm-hmm. And that no longer is something that you even like, you even speak of. It's just like, yeah, we're different. I was like, mm-hmm, we're different people. Yeah. Like, and that's just always been the constant. And also just receiving that and knowing that you're, the person that you're with is different, is separate from you. This is something that I see. I photograph a lot of weddings. And during the ceremony, in the vows, someone's always like, you complete me. Like, oh, you're my better half. And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> No, you a whole ass person. Um, complete yourself. <laughs> yes, you, you are complete. complete that yourself. You are just adding sauce to each other's lives. That's it. Like stand in that. But I've definitely seen a shift in terms of also like celebrants coming in and, and uh, not being a, a non-nominational and just mm-hmm. being like open and spiritual and like being able to kind of share that reference. And I've also rarely seen it in churches where people, church, like priests will be like, "You are both separate people, and you need to." And I'm like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, priest." I see you like really surprised based off of that. And it's just, yeah, you got to lean into that separateness and also connect with the fact that you are two different people and that you are both on your individual journeys and in growing in tandem is the, <laughs> will serve you so much better than trying to win an argument. If someone's winning, y'all both losing straight up. <laughs> Love it. Another great quote. Win-win. It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not win-lose, it's win-win. We both yeah. win. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking about you and I, I think we are different in some like key ways, yeah. right? And there are some really important foundational things. And this is like through polyamory, through the fact that like we do both date and we do both engage with other people. You know, I mean, because Nick and I have been together for 11 years. That's a long time to be with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't believe that just because the relationship ends, it's a failure. I think that Mm -hmm. I have had, you know, many now like year relationships. I just had a relationship that ended. And um, I think that not all relationships are meant to be long term. Mm -hmm. And there was a while where I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I am a failure at this, this polyamory thing. And then I come back and I'm like, and I've also had a relationship for 11 years that is so strong and so beautiful and so connected. And I think the thing about you and I is that we have these foundational things that we are alike in, Mm -hmm. that we are connected in, that we are passionate about. And it's little things, you know, it's our music taste. It's our love of food. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the way that we grow inspired by each other. You know, from the beginning with Nick, I said to myself, like, I'm not going to try to change him. And I've always tried to change people. I mean, you know, like, (laughs) let's be real, especially in this, like, these kind of fields a lot of times we're like, okay, you got to like, let's do this, right? There's some tweaks we could make. There's some tweaks. to be better. I trusted, you know, Nick has a secure attachment style and I trusted that he would, and I don't want to say come around, but that like, it would just work out. Like I wanted to move in together before he did, but I trusted that he would get to a place that would happen or maybe it wouldn't, but like, I just 
trusted and even something little. And I, this is always a big thing for me. Like Nick wasn't like a big reader. No. And I was, and I, I wished that he was, but I was like, I'm not going to make him be a reader. Mm-hmm. And now every night, Nick and I read together in bed. And it's not because I was like, you have to read because I read. No, It was because like, we've been together for a long time and I don't know, osmosis. Like I also had that wish within myself. Like I, I remember <laughs> talking to me, like, I wish I read more. And then it's just like, oh, man, where's the bookstore? I guess I'll, I'll find a book that I like. Like it just and, happened. Yeah, it just happened. And I think that's a lot with you and I where, it's like we just grow into parts of ourselves, not because we feel like we have to, no. because the other person wants us to, but just because it's organic. Mm-hmm. And I love that about our relationship. Yeah, it flows like warm molasses. <laughs> yeah, let's do all food analogies from now on, because I'm ready. <laughs> We're big old food analogies here. Oh, we are foodies and food snobs. Oh, yeah. I thank Brittany for my food sn- snobbery. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, going to a restaurant, I'm just like... This, it's not right. Give me some salt. <laughs> there it is. The flavors really expand. Now it pops. It has body to it now. Yeah, no, I think it's like having those, you know, for anyone in relationship of, uh, of some sort of like, you know, romantic partnership type thing is having those values that are similar, having enough. And then also seeing that the differences aren't always like bad. They're not like wrong. They're not like, I would say hearing your story that... It's probably good that Nick wasn't a reader. I bet it brought out parts of you that, you know, in fact, they do exercises with people that show them like, okay, you have a fantasy that if this person could just do this, this, and this, everything would be okay. But actually do a 180 and see how their difference or their, their not meeting that fantasy of yours has actually brought you to a place in yourself, you know, and that's what we're there for. As Nick was talking about so wonderfully is like, Partnership is not a landing place. It's a journey and it's a journey for us to find ourselves personally, you know, to our own wholeness, to reveal that because that we already are whole. So it's to show us if there's some roadblocks that we need to see become more whole. And to go back to the conflict thing, you know, conflict is really a way to wake up to that, right? It's sometimes a way to wake up to that, that some oftentimes we don't want to reckon with some of these signposts. So that's where like learning how to do conflict well can really help us pay more attention as I outlined earlier. And um, I love Brittany that you mentioned like relationships, they're not like they end, they're not failures. I mean, in the yoga sense, all relationships end. Everything is gonna end. Of course, I'm thinking I'll be with my partner for a long time, but who knows? I can't really know. And it's like if you're blowing a a little dandelion in the breeze and the little seeds. Wishies. I call them wishies. I call them seeds. Wishies. Yeah. And they come together in the breeze and then they blow apart. And then another two, that's relationships. If we really zoom out, right? So from the yoga perspective, it's like a little bit of understanding you know, in our life journey, which is according to the yoga thing, many, many lifetimes, like these are all just like some moments that are meant to bring us and show us our wholeness. Because again, we are whole. If I just meet this person, I'm whole. No. That's how we set it up. That's how it's it's been socialized. The movies have told us this over and over again. I love that. I think that's a good place to shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's a juicy conversation. really juicy. Yeah. Thank you for holding the space. It's fun. Yeah. I think... um, So fun. This is one you go back and listen to again because you're going to miss some of those juicy nuggets. Yeah. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going to go to rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. Rapid fire questions. I'm ready. As quickly as you can answer, I'll go first. What makes you belly laugh? I being goofy with my partner. We're just like super weird and goofy and have our inside jokes. So, yeah. Happy. And my dog. Oh. He plays along with that. <laughs> <laughs> Something you're insecure about. Ooh, wow. I love that. I used to operate from insecurity in relationship, I think. And now I think I do operate in insecurity in the world of like money and abundance and, and stuff like that, to be frank. I really look at myself as a small business owner to fall to moments of scarcity. And it's something I'm really being called to work on for sure. And it has its history with, of course, my upbringing and all types of stuff. So, yeah. 
great question with you and can relate thank to that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I'm thank you. moving through repatterning my relationship with money right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. If you could have sex of any kind with one well-known person, so like famous, but like just someone who's known either living or no longer on this planet, who would they be? Well, you know, there's probably a long list of people. <laughs> Top three. <laughs> you can do top three. <laughs> when I was on uh, the, this flight. We, my wife and I just went to this trip to Italy for our five-year wedding anniversary. And we were on the flight and there was a movie with Penelope Cruz on it, a movie in Spanish. And I was just like, I've always loved you. <laughs> now they're Spanish to me on this trip to Italy. It's just all happening. And your eyeliner is really dark and thick. And, <laughs> and you're not like 20. You're like, my age (laughs) and you're like beautiful so yeah i don't know and she was in europe and it was like so more romantic than yeah than here so that's that's an answer right away (laughs) that's a good one yeah i love that if you could have a superpower what would it be my favorite question in my world of work, I think, you know, this is going to sound so uninteresting. This superpower is going to be like, boom. This is your power. Yeah, it's your power. I would love to really, you know, become just real present. Meaning like there are saints out there, you know, who are just, they live their life in such a way where they're really present with themselves and others. And if you're around them, you're like, whoa, you're like, this is, if there's like God, if there's Nirvana, if whatever, it is, this is it. I'm Because this person is completely present. That's what I'd want my superpower to be. I don't think that's boring. That's not boring at all. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we'll do one more, each of us. If there is a food that could or does give you an orgasm, what would that food be? Or what is that food? Oh, yeah. Food is a love language. So I think it does give me orgasmic type of situations. Yeah, I'm sure Italy lit you up, man. I know. I'm thinking of all these like orgasmic moments in Italy. Yeah. So I would say some sort of pasta dish, but I would also say a pizza dish. It sounds so like really stereotypical, but it's like also my upbringing was based in these foods. So it's like, you know, my early food orgasms as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, you know, it's like when you have your first, like literally an orgasm, you have your first orgasm and you have sort of like an image. I don't know yeah. about, sometimes it really stays with you. So I'm thinking that with the food idea, like, you know, oh my God, these experiences, cream filled pastries. Oh, mm. give me <laughs> yeah. I think like, cause I'm also Italian and I do think that there's an energy in that because I can, I absolutely experience, like I experience the serotonin dopamine rush from certain foods like oysters for me like it is the same experience that i feel when i have when i eat an (laughs) oyster (laughs) as to when i'm when i'm having an orgasm a sexual orgasm right and so to me there it's very similar i can feel the chemicals like i can feel them in my body Mm -hmm. and so yeah so thank you for that for me it's like the italian food as a young one and seeing like Italian Americans in my family, like they talk so much about food. Like you would talk about the act of sex or like really, they would say, oh, like that. And then they would eat with their mouth open, which is disgusting, <laughs> but you would really hear <laughs> the smacking and the like looking at, it was like everything was a ritual of, you know, desire yeah. and, <laughs> and sensuality. So uh, I think that's what connects me to that cuisine. I love that. That's I love great. making those connections too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful for me. Yeah. Okay, one more. When do you feel most vulnerable? Let's do that. I would say I feel the most vulnerable. I think with my family of origin, I feel pretty vulnerable there. And I feel vulnerable navigating. And this is like something I'm working on. Okay, I'm so I want to call it forward or put it out there. Not romantic or real close intimate relationships, but navigating boundaries with certain friends, like friends and business, friend business relationships. And I feel I need to learn, become a little more masterful because I'm the type of person who is like generally like doesn't have boundaries. And then I get hurt or I feel something and then I'm like, ah. That makes sense. So I'm looking to dance more and the vulnerability comes like I feel vulnerable. So I don't feel like I have the tools as much as I'm, I need to feel stronger in the vulnerability. 
as someone said, I think it was Mark or excuse me, Nick. I was t- calling him Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Nick was saying vulnerability is strength, which I'm really believe in. So I think like reckoning with this vulnerability of mine and allowing it to become a strength is what I'm looking for. Calling myself forward to become more masterful. When to bring something up with someone and when not to. When do I feel like I need to share this and not feel like, oh, what if they run away from me? Or what if the relationship gets compromised? Or what if the business relationship, right? All that stuff. When can I be with it and be okay with the vulnerability and not necessarily say something? That's something I'm really looking to work on more. So thank you for these questions. Yeah. Thank you for that response. Yeah. Thank you for the vulnerability, but also the strength and courage and power that it takes to be able to go there. And thank you for modeling that, like really like what we've been talking about, right? That was that modeling as, you know, as a man also like modeling what that looks like to be in your power and to be vulnerable at the same time. Right. And I love that, like it, you know, for everybody out there who's listening, like, thank you for saying that. I appreciate you're very sweet to say that it's encouraging, but it takes some time. Like when I talked about wanting to be present as a superpower, like when you asked me what is most vulnerable for me, I couldn't rattle it off. You'd think I should be able to. That's why I was confronting. Like, I'm a freaking relationship coach. I don't know. You think I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, that's it. But I had to really go in and be like, when am I feeling that? And I think it's important for all of us to take that time and just be like, where am I at in my life right now? Oh, and, and what's most vulnerable? What a powerful question amongst all the questions. You know. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I needed it. Oh, oh, beautiful. Love it. Mm. What a great place to end. Yeah, this has been just so illuminating. Yeah. And, you know, we don't haven't had a ton of men on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I've been okay with that. And, but, like, this is why we need to have more yeah. men, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because you're the first white male that we've had on this podcast. Oh, shit. Right? And so it's important to bring everyone into the conversations, sure. right? Sure. And there is a little bit of wanting to decenter that, right? Mm-hmm. And so this was such a nourishing conversation, Truly. right? To be able to be in that in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing me into the mix. And I'm hearing like, in a sense, like I'm a white heterosexual male in a monogamous relationship. So I appreciate, wow, like you might be navigating a world that has more of the nuance that's not this norm that we're all kind of faced with. But I appreciate you bringing in that perspective in my way and how I bring it. That's beautifully said. I'm happy to be part of the mix and um, in whatever way I can. So thank you so much. We already have all of your like how to find you and all that because we do that at the end. But what do you have going on? What do you want people to know that you're offering right now? Is there anything you want to put out there? Yeah, for sure. I have a group coaching immersion coming up, which I'm super excited about. I do this throughout the the year, a few different immersions. So it's live online and recorded. And it's about gaining relationship tools, really dialing in learning, practicing with each other, creating like a conscious community around relationship. And if that's relationship to our own self, first and foremost, and relationships to all others, not just partners, but family, friends, And it's a container to support you. So you get live coaching and to challenge you and to create, like we were talking about with men, to create a culture where we can talk about this stuff. We can process it together, where our relationships are calling us forward to do some of this work. They're not just like keeping us in the same old patterns, blah, 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 blah. So if that sounds good to you, you can check it out. It's on my website. And I'm always doing one-on-one coaching and coaching with dyads, if that's couples or partners, friends, family members. And those are some things that are going on. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. This has been such a gift. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your contribution. Yeah. I really appreciate being with you all. It felt so great and so natural. And I love the dynamic that you bring. It's cool. It's very exciting. So I appreciate it. Well, that was a conscious and like wealth of information and mm-hmm. mm. yeah beautiful conversation i just felt like i, I, I was just talking it's the yeah. depth and like the layers we were hitting like i was like yeah this is this is right up my alley i really love that damador was our first white male on the show and you know even just the idea of talking to more men the conversation that we just had 
to be able to hear another man talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. For him to be able to own that. And, and, you know, we have had that, those conversations with Iraq. We ran into that a lot too. But I think for me as a woman, I can only say so much about that. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we're talking about everything going on in the world today and the attack against women, it's like, we need men to step up and do that as well, right? And to have those conversations. And so it just felt really good for him to talk about some of this stuff, especially when we got into the conversations around men. Yes. How'd that feel for you? It felt good. I mean, I felt like I was, uh, you know, in good company in relation to, you know, both our mutual paths in terms of us cultivating and working on ourselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, being vulnerable and and connected with that vulnerability and how we wanted to show up in our lives. It's really important work, especially on the behalf of men. Like we need to be doing better. Just the way we've gone about masculinity in general. Nah, we got to upgrade that. It's not great. (laughs) It's currently the state we're living in and the environment. And it's just, it's all stemming from how we've been living in masculinity. Let's do better. Let's do better. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Damador at empoweredconnection.me. That's empoweredconnection.me. And check out their website at empoweredconnection.me. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at sexually underscore liberated. And check out my website at brittanypolacastro.com. We are on Twitter at KTable Podcast. Follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram and check out my website at nickantony.com. Editing by Audionauts, music by Greta Hopmer. And please like, subscribe, follow this podcast. Leave us a review. They're really helpful. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Five stars if you are feeling generous. Share this podcast. Help us spread the kitchen table love, fine humans. And next week is our season finale. Mm -mm. Make sure you check it out.